Welcome to Just a Phase, a podcast about modern parenting. Episode 23, Go Outside and Play. Today we are chatting about kids in the outdoors and getting some book recommendations on the topic from the podcast book reviewer, Beth Simon. Plus uh, another week, another protest, and our podcast is one year old. Happy birthday to us. Hi, I'm Drew Ludwig, father to three daughters, ages five, seven, and ten. And I'm Whitney Crispell. I'm mom to two girls, ages two and a half and ten months. And don't forget, folks, we might swear in this podcast, so you have been warned. That's right. So, what's up? What are we talking about this week? <laughs> well, are we going to catch up first? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like that's yeah. Okay. What are we catching so up how, with? <laughs> how are you, Drew? I am, as of this very moment when we're recording, uh, tired and wet and cold. <laughs> and why are you all of those things? Uh, because there is uh, a chance to stand outside in the sleety rain today. Um, in in Buffalo, there were 25 people that were uh, quickly and surprisingly deported. Uh, and a whole bunch of us showed up to uh, make noise about that and complain about that. Um, but the day that we did it, it was freezing and cold, but that's the day that ice had its hearing. So we showed up there. That's awesome. Another week, another protest on our podcast. Someday we're going to talk about something else. (laughs) It's not going to please the person I I shared last week's episode, um, in a mom's group that I'm in just because I thought the infertility topic might be helpful. And, um, I got one. I got some feedback that said they stopped listening due to the unnecessary political commentary. Well, I won't and add I, any commentary about it this time. Well, but and and I'm not trying to pick on this person. She, she was very polite about it, and I just responded very politely, like, "Okay, no problem." But just, but it just made me think. Like, I just can't, and I know you feel the same. Like, I can't separate that part of. I, myself from my parenting right it's all oh yeah and i don't want to right Right. like we want to raise our kids to to make a difference in the world yeah so um also related to podcast uh business i guess my time hop app informed me this morning that today is the one year today when we're recording is the one year anniversary of this podcast wow we should have figured that out before (laughs) because like when people listen to it it's going to be a couple days after And all the gifts will be late. I know. Happy birthday, podcast. Happy birthday, podcast. Did uh, you think we'd make it a year? Yeah, Drew, I did. Did you think did we'd you? be? I've, there's yeah. a lot of things that I start that don't last yeah, a year. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't know. I, it's, it's a year old because of Whitney. <laughs> I think I thought we, I thought we might make did it. You think that, did you think we'd be syndicated and famous in a year? You know, the fame and celebrity has been, has been surprising, but I'm just trying to stay humble. Surprising how much we have? <laughs> yeah. Because I expect more. <laughs> we need to go big time. I know. It's true. Year two. Yeah. Year two. Like, year two. Everybody that's listening right now, like you're the last people that could say, I knew Whitney and Drew when. Yeah. We need to have like limited edition membership cards or something. I agree. Early adopter. So, so what's the highlight of the past year? This is not a retrospective clip show, but highlight of the podcast? Yeah. Oh. Um 
Honestly, for me, it's I on the spot. I just immediately thought of all the feedback we've got from people. That does feel I just I love it. Like when people reach out and say that they liked a particular episode or they leave a comment that they laughed or, you know, sometimes I'll get a text message or a Facebook message about something. It's great. You know what I love? It feels like we're not really like speaking into the void. Like, oh yeah, there's people on the other end of it. And we have non-parent listeners. Yes. That blows my mind. Um, Because you are not our target demographic. But if you love the show, listen, enjoy it. That's true. Highlight for me is your pregnancy rash. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was up there. The second or third episode. We, we I'm started so itchy. Well. I have scabies. I'm coming up on it because it was Hall- It was right after Halloween last year. So I'm actually, I've got a, another we can anniversary. We have a year anniversary I've of got, scabies. I've got a scabies anniversary coming right up. Scabiversary. Jeez, that was so disgusting. And oh you lift it out in the public. Ugh. So, yeah. yeah. So anything else? Uh, you know, we don't have to do the whole year. Like this week, stuff you want to catch us upon. Yeah, no, I life is good. Viv is um like one hundred percent in that toddler independence phase that everybody told me would happen. Mm-hmm. So you know we like it's really hit in the past couple of weeks. We've gotten a lot of you know leave me alone, stay away from me. Oh, I can do it myself. Yeah, and she's for the most part she's not mean about it. She's just like mm-hmm. very clear though, like stay away from me, mom. Or I want to go in my crib, leave me alone. You're yeah. Like, okay. But it's, I'm not, like, Sean and I have talked about it a lot. I, we're not taking it personally. You know, we're trying to, like, give her her autonomy. But there's also a part as a parent where you're like, really? You don't yeah. want to snuggle me? Okay. Are you sure this isn't about me? No? Okay. You're only two, and so it's, it can't be about me. You got me. another kid. I'm being unreasonable. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's happening. Um, but, yeah. It's yeah. If a parent is uh, listening with their children and wants to preserve magic for your ch- child, just like skip ahead this next part or mute okay. it. Um, me and my wife are the worst tooth fairies ever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so like. Oh, I've even forgot like a week straight. No, not a week straight. Okay. It, this time it was just a night. Okay. Um, well, even before, so my wife was teaching piano lessons, so I had like primary kid responsibility, but I was talking on the phone to organize this thing that I just got back from. So I was busy and distracted and I was talking to someone from out of town that was, you know, it was important conversation and the girls knew like not to interrupt me, but they interrupted me anyway. And they're like, dad, this is important. Courtney is really bleeding. <laughs> and You're like, okay. Cause true. sometimes teeth just fall out, but this one fell out with like blood <laughs> really yeah so wow cleaned it up she seems fine okay so um so the yeah the tooth came out and we forgot one night um and then the second night like uh, my two youngest share a room and i like walked into their bedroom like holding a do- dollar and like the middle child was like <laughs> awake and looking at me <laughs> So I'm like, just came in to say goodnight and give you a hug. Never mind this dollar. <laughs> uh, she didn't pick up on it. I mean, they're kind of like yeah. groggy what, and what, out of it. That's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. What was your um? <laughs> what was your excuse? I, just, I like, wanted to give her a hug. No, 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 no. Your excuse, like when she woke up 
the first morning and it was, the tooth fairy hadn't visited. Oh, that's not on me. The tooth fairy forgot. Right. You were like, oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe the tooth yeah. fairy will get it tomorrow. Maybe like slow communication, right? Yeah, I'm having vague memories, I say, of my parents being like, you know, she's really busy. There's a lot of children. <laughs> she's got see. so much stress so, in her life. You know, sometimes it takes a couple nights for her to figure it out. So one thing that we've done, like I was raised that you leave your tooth under the pillow. Right. That's like the worst place to leave a tooth for the tooth fairy. Oh, that's true. Right? So tell God, your kids the tooth fairy like can find your tooth a lot easier if you put it on the nightstand. <laughs> so we made that switch a long time ago. And then... Uh, yeah, what non-parent ever thought put it under their pillow? Right? <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, my youngest, for whatever reason, decided that she wanted to give the tooth fairy a gift beyond her tooth. So she left a quarter with her tooth for the tooth fairy. So she got a dollar back. Nice. There's a kid at our bus stop that gets got $8 for his first tooth. He okay. hadn't lost a tooth until he was six. So I don't know okay. if, if it like builds up, in, but it's still the same number of teeth eventually, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. That's a lot. Yeah. I feel like... A dollar probably hasn't kept up with inflation because I think I got a dollar when I was a kid. I I maybe sometimes fifty cents, but really, I mean, yeah, more than a buck. Come on, yeah. So yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, congratulations to one of your children whose name I I'm not sure which one. Left That's okay. Two. I already said it, but I try not to say their oh, names sorry. on the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the youngest, the youngest. Okay. Yeah, and I she's know. missing two right now, so she's particularly like gap toothed right now uh, but it's cute and she's having fun and she she netted 75 cents on the deal love it <laughs> i don't know would you have taken the quarter i feel like it kind of destroys the magic if you don't yeah i would have taken it okay yeah, yeah sure. i took the quarter yeah okay oh so the other thing that i w- thought i would tell you about is that sean and i the past few weekends have been kind of in a rut like we just like as a family we just felt like We had a bunch of things we had to do, but then in our downtime, we didn't really make any plans to go do anything fun, and we just kind of found ourselves, like, home with the girls and sort of saying, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I guess we can go out to eat somewhere. That's not that fun anymore. You know, Uh, I like eating out. Yeah, I don't know. Do you ever get... (laughs) I do too, but with a toddler and a baby right now, it's not, like, the best. (laughs) Yeah, we did that show. Um... (laughs) But so, do you ever have that like with family where where you guys just get in a little rut? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah that so, happens. so that happened a few weekends ago, and I was like, "All right, we we're making plans right now for next weekend to do something fun that we that's totally different." And we went to the Griffiths um, Sculpture Park. That is an awesome place to go. Yeah, I had never been, and and for people around here or not from around here, it's a sculpture park. Um, Hi, Cece. But it's perfect for kids because there's there's stuff to climb on. It's outdoors, but it's not like too wild, right? Right. Yeah. No, it's it's like super accessible for everybody. Um, And it's just neat for them to be able to interact with art. Um, Yeah. And it was a beautiful day. And it, it just was was totally great to spend that time together. And we came away definitely renewed and feeling like we broke out of the the family rut and you probably really took nice. some really good pictures too we did take some good photos thought you would i did but that is um 
a good segue actually into the conversation that I had with our podcast book reviewer, Beth. Um, so we're solidly, you know, in the middle of fall right now. Yes. And at least here in Buffalo, it is starting to get cold. Tell me about it. As you talk, you know, as you discussed, it was leading today. Um, and you know, we wanted to talk with Beth about kids in the outdoors, because I think this is a time of year that we're all sort of clinging to opportunities to be outside and maybe starting to get a little anxious about being stuck inside all winter. Um, of course that could just be me revealing my own (laughs) deep anxieties about winter. I'm feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've experienced, like our cats have already switched from being outside to inside and it's horrible because they run around all crazy, which they used to do outside. Yeah. No good. No. Anyway, Beth is going to share tips on how her family manages to stay active despite the cold. Uh, So let's give it a listen. All right, let's do it. So we are back with another book talk with Beth, uh, where I get a chance to chat with Beth Simon, our resident reviewer of parenting books. Today we are going to be talking with Beth about uh, kids and the outdoors and what book titles out there might help you if you are a parent who, you know, wants to spend more time out in nature, out in the outdoors with your kids and, you know, maybe wants some ideas for how to do that. Um, So Beth, what do you got for us? Um, So today we're going to talk about kind of two books mainly. So our first one is going to be Last Child in the Woods. Mm -hmm. Um, I think most people know this title. Yeah, I was just going to say, I've heard of that one. Yeah, so this is kind of like the Bible of children in the outdoors. Um, And it concentrates on really like why our generation is currently disconnected from nature and how that's contributed to the rise of ADD, obesity, depression. Hmm. Um, and he coins this term nature deficit disorder, which is what he refers to kind of leads to all these other things. Okay. Um, so it's going to look at kind of a personal and historic reasoning for why children are disconnected from nature. Um, like literally he compares nature to oxygen, like children need nature. So if Mm -hmm. you're not out in nature, that's like something we need to be doing. Um, And I think that my biggest takeaway, at least, was this quote that I'm going to read. And it says, if getting our kids out into nature is a search for perfection or is one more chore, then the belief in perfection and the chore defeats the joy. It's a good thing to learn more about nature in order to share this knowledge with children. But it's even better if the adult and child learn about nature together. Mm. Um, So I think a lot of times when we're like looking to go out into nature, we're like, what does that mean? What does it mean to be outdoors? And so there's a lot of pressure on that. Yeah, I really, especially in this age, that idea of it being a chore Mm -hmm. does resonate with me too. Cause sometimes I feel like I make it that like, all right, we got to go outside. (laughs) Check (laughs) check that off the list. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you live in, uh, we also like, I know you live in an urban area. We also live about two blocks from the urban core Mm -hmm. of Spokane. And so I think especially when you're in a city outdoors and nature holds like this, it's like a looming, like we have to drive to a park or we have to go to a nature preserve in order to be in quote unquote nature. But that that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, in this book, he even talks about like, you know, you can find wild places in the backyard, in an alley. It's really just wildness and finding nature is just about being outside and something that's not so manicured and here's a playground. Um, right, right. 
So that's kind of the world we go by from this book is just, you know, anywhere that's wild and he can play with leaves or in the trees. Um, so it takes some of the pressure off when you're, it doesn't have to be this perfect like lesson in nature. So that's the rule that you, that you're saying that about your family. I want to go, I'm, let me see how I yeah. want to, I okay. um, <laughs> So that's one of your takeaways from it is that obviously you probably participate in playgrounds. Um, it's kind of impossible to avoid that, but you also try to make a distinction between going into the spaces that are, are quote unquote wild. Yeah, definitely. And so we, I'm going to be honest, I hate playgrounds personally, so we don't <laughs> do a ton of yeah. playgrounds. My, my husband will take him to the playgrounds, but for me, I love just being able to like, here's a bucket, here's a shovel. Yeah. Like, these very simple things that um, really let their creativity in nature run wild. Mm -hmm. um, and for us, like, it's such a great opportunity. We have, we do have a good, um, like, little plot of land where we live. And so just even watching the neat, like, natural seasonal changes in our yard is such an easy thing to do. Um, and so that's something that we, I mean, Porter's still very young, so he doesn't quite understand, but you know, there's so much to look at and different bugs and the leaves are different. And we have a garden, which is another thing that Richard Lou suggests is um, gardening with your kids. Mm -hmm. And so on a small plot of land, but uh, uh, that has a lot on it, that's like something that we actively try to do is show him the differences in seasons and really get to know the property that we do have so that those are really obvious to him. Mm-hmm. Do you have any hesitations about this book or? Okay. I'm going to be honest. I hate this book. Um... <laughs> so people, no. okay. They just need to hear your summary on our podcast and they're good to go. <laughs> so <laughs> No, there is a lot of good information in the first half of the book. So that's okay. like kind of where he concentrates more on uh, the personal emotional side of nature. Okay. And also uh, like what, schools can do as they're as they're cutting out recess time and they're really not doing as much in um the natural histories kind of why it's important to get back to that and that discussion for me is so important so there is there's a there is a lot in the book that is worthwhile and but I think what's a problem for me is that if you said to me I don't go outdoors. We're really an inside family. I love arts and crafts, but like the outside is just beyond me. Mm -hmm. I'm not outdoorsy. And you picked up this book thinking that like, oh, this is going to inspire me to go outside. Like it's not going to do that. So I think that that my hesitation when this is always like the first right. book that people recommend. And I'm like, I would be so, I was overwhelmed as somebody who, I mean, I've probably read 40 books about children in nature. Like I, love this topic and it's so important to our family um but this just I stopped halfway through and then honestly finished the second half um for the podcast <laughs> do you feel like it's, it's a bummer is that why like it's just kind of yeah. or it's just like well makes you feel guilty the I think that's part of it is it's kind of like a bummer and it like makes the problem of children not getting out into nature seem so big that you wonder where can I start in right. the second half of the book. Um, so he talks about what he calls the third frontier. And that's kind of this idea that children are getting like removing themselves from nature and that uh, kind of the, the 
like ecology is kind of in danger because our youth just don't care about nature anymore. And then he starts talking about the fourth frontier, which I found very overwhelming because it almost sounded like an urban planning book to me, like as I was reading it. Um, And so he talks much more about like, you know, systemic changes of what communities can do to turn uh, the whole city more into urban design and urban design that works for children. And so I almost got lost in like, I was talking to my husband who works in sustainability and higher education. And I was, I was just saying that like, I almost forgot I was reading a book about children anymore (laughs) because it was so dense in like this urban planning aspect. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it tackles, it's like a great book if you're looking for, um, all the information that's really out there. Um, this was written in 2005. So I did ask my husband about a couple projects that were in it. Cause mm-hmm. he's much more up on like what's, uh, going on in urban planning and things like that. And some of the things were a little outdated, um, in his opinion. So I can't say it's the most up-to-date stuff, but I think it gives a good like overview of where our cities need to go. Mm-hmm. And it's an important discussion. I just didn't think that it so much fit in with what people like tout that this book helps them with. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And not a prac, not really a practical guide for parents, like maybe gives them context for the issue and yeah. some ideas. And yeah. Do you have, so do you have suggestions for like a, how-to guide I guess yeah so then the second book that I'm going to talk about is how to raise a wild child by Scott D. Sampson yeah literally is a how-to literally (laughs) is a how-to um and a lot of people might or maybe not a lot of people but we like this show um Scott D. Sampson does a dinosaur train on PBS so some people might already be familiar with him if your kids watch that I actually heard a great interview with him when this book came out on NPR so yeah tell me about it yeah uh so he will say that some of his influence came from Richard Luke, but I think he does it in such a much more of like an accessible way. Mm-hmm. And he he's looking to kind of tackle three main topics in this book and um, divide it easily, which is kind of our general disconnect from nature, then how we can create that that connection and how parents and educators can be nature mentors. And um the idea of like a nature mentor is really emphasized in this book. And that's what I love about it because mm-hmm. I, and I talked about this a little bit when we talked about just my general favorites is that our kids aren't going to learn anything that we're not modeling for them. Mm-hmm. So the idea that it gives all these great ideas, literally at the end of every chapter, I mean, within the chapter too, but at the end of every chapter, he literally lays out like 10 tips and five ways you can be a mentor. And so it's, you know, he does go over the facts of it and um, all the benefits of being out in the wild, but then he really sets it up so you cannot miss your mark. Would you have um, any examples or like favorite tips that he taught you? Yes. So my, well, I'll, I'll do two. Um, okay. I have a list, but I'll do two. <laughs> okay. Um, so one was that he, and I do understand also, I'm going to say some might not be super realistic for your family and what your family is doing, mm-hmm. but these were ones that we loved, um, where we are at in our like kind of nature journey as a family. Mm-hmm. So one was that we love the idea of, it can be in your own yard. It can be in a local park, but just every day taking the time to sit for maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes and listen to the animals in your surroundings. And that Mm. you'll really get to know 
um, what it sounds like when a bird's at rest or when a bird is, you know, disturbed and what that disturbance must be. And just uh, nature is a multi like sense activity being out in nature. And so I think for me, at least this was such a cool idea because we do a lot of hiking here where mm-hmm. um, in the mountains. And so um, I always, when I'm alone, just put in my earbuds and I don't even, I'm kind of like, you know, out of it, just enjoying my own time. And so it's really helped me as somebody who's freaked out in nature as a woman hiking alone to right. just be able to clue into like, okay, let's just like take out, take out the earbuds, like just listen to what's going on around you. And it's really interesting how much you can gather about the surroundings by just listening. And so I think that maybe we don't sit outside for 10 minutes every day or 20 minutes to do it, but just interesting to even point out to Porter, like, what are you hearing? What are we listening to? Um, and then oh, the I, other, I love, yeah, I just, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I love that. And I used to work as like a camp counselor at this kind of farm nature camp. And I would take kids every day on a hike. Um, and that was one of the regular activities we did was we didn't do it for quite 10, or 10 minutes, but we would stop and be silent for a few minutes. And then everybody would go around and say something that they heard. Um, and I just used this this summer with Viv and two of my nephews. We were outside in the backyard and they loved it. I thought, I mean, I thought it was like, I'm like, uh, they're going to know this is a trick <laughs> to get them to slow down a little bit, <laughs> but they loved it, you know, and, and for us, it was like a mix of nature and, and urban noises, you know, a helicopter landing at the hospital yeah. and, but birds and, um, and it made a big impression. Viv like talked about it for a couple weeks afterwards. Like, remember yeah. when we heard this? So I, I, yeah, I love that suggestion and I totally second it. <laughs> yeah. And then also that leads into like, I'm sure when you talk to Viv and your um, nephews, like they probably each heard something different. So that can right. even help you understand like, oh, Viv definitely heard something like birds. So maybe she's a little more interested in birds or my nephew heard, right. you know, um, maybe it wasn't urban noise and maybe he is more interested in urban exploring, which we do, which is such a cool thing, even to just go see what's out in your city and mm-hmm. murals and different things. So, you know, it can also help lead to like some of your children's interests and how to follow that path. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the other thing, and this is more for parents than for kids, but I love that he had this discussion about a hummingbird parent versus a hover parent. And basically what he means by that is that a hummingbird parent will um, have your kids in nature. A lot of times uh, we go to an arboretum close by. And so it's the idea that your kids need to take risks and they need to be able to assess situations by themselves. So rather than standing right by them and helping them with every little thing you uh, do kind of what a hummingbird does to a feeder is that you kind of circle and you, they know that you're there, but you really only want to go in when they are going to be at risk for something. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially with a toddler, um, we're right over the age of two. I have such hover parent tendencies still. Um, But really what we've found is in nature by using this, like kind of hummingbird method is that say Porter is going up like stairs. He is like more likely to fall when we're standing nearby. But when he has a chance to climb on some rocks or boulders, he more understands kind of what his limit is. And he'll like throw himself down on the rock to stop himself (laughs) from falling. Right. He just, he has like a better mechanism when we're in nature doing risky things than when we're like standing right by him, like 
holding his hand. And so that's been like a good, like, this is okay. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Just walk away. <laughs> like, so um, I really like that discussion and that like freedom to not be on top of your kids all the time because right. they're never going to learn how to manage their own risk. Yeah. I, um, I love that. Yeah. I, I really like that idea a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we all do. Walk away. No. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then he just has like good ideas. And this is why I love this book for more people who are looking to just expand their knowledge of nature and to go out into nature is that he just has really easy things like making sure you're telling nature stories, even if they're just your personal stories as a child. Um, Mm -hmm. And he has this great starting of the book where he tells you like, close your eyes and take a few minutes and remember the place where you felt like your freest and your safest and what were the smells, what were the sounds, what was around you. And for many of us, I would assume that that's going to be a place in nature. Like for me, we had a ravine in the back of our um, yard and we Mm -hmm. used to play like hockey there in the winter and just, it was just away from the adults, but they knew where we were, but it felt so like we got to do whatever we wanted in this like little back wilderness, even though it was, you know, five feet from my parents' house. And so, um, from there, it's like, you recognize that for us, nature was such a huge part of our lives. Yep. And so sharing those stories with our kids and really making that connection. And then there were simple things like just watching the sunset, having your kids journal, or just even give them a cheap digital camera and let them take pictures of nature. Um, and then just free play and loose play, uh, loose parts play. Um, so he really just has all these suggestions in here and ways that we can help our, our kids learn that. And so I think this is like a really great beginner guide. Mm-hmm. Whereas Last Child in the Woods, I would really save for if you're really, um, you know, interested in more of the facts, the statistics. And I would say Last Child in the Woods, I didn't mention this, but I'm going back to it for one second, mm-hmm. is that if you have a child who does have a uh, some behavioral like issues or just struggles with depression or um, those types of things. He does get into great discussions on why nature is so important for um, those kids. And I think even as a parent who sometimes is susceptible to seasonal depression, I think it's so like, even for adults getting out into nature is such an important piece to like free you from that, like, you know, heaviness. Totally. Totally. And well, I actually, I have two thoughts on that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, just on the heaviness thing. Like I, I think someone must've, I've seen this go around a couple times, like on Facebook, you know how like someone shares an article and then, you know, everybody, you know, shares it for like a week. Well, recently right. <laughs> that happened with this like article about the Japanese, um, the Japanese trend of forest bathing, which yes. is, yeah, basically just being in the woods and like, they, they apparently like some Japanese scientists did a study about the effects on people, the health effects on people who yeah. s- regularly just spend time, like literally just like hanging out in the woods, like, a- and yeah. not having a particular agenda, but just being in it. And, uh, I thought it, it made total sense to me. Um, yeah. just on my, from my own experiences and the effect it has. So, so yeah, yeah. It, I, I can see that for sure. And then the other thing, Beth, is just when you were talking about being in your backyard as a kid and, and playing, and even though it was five, you know, you know, five minutes or five steps, I forget what you said from your parents' house. That just reminded me too, like 
little kids are, I mean, they're little, they're physically little. And so you might think as an adult, like, oh, we don't, you know, our backyard's not that big. We don't have that much space. Like it's not really that, that wild, but for a kid on their level and at their scale, it, you know, it might feel huge. Like I think back on, you know, my backyard or my aunt's backyard. And when I was a kid, they seemed enormous. And like there, there were a lot of places to sort of adventure. Whereas an adult, I think like, yeah, it was just a suburban backyard. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Cause same thing. Like, I, like I've said, like our land isn't that big, but like really for Porter, like there's a hill, there's like, totally. you, like you know, there's a lot of things involved in it, even though it's not so big. And honestly, and I mentioned this really quick with your nephews, mm-hmm. but like, we walk around our block, which is once again, we're like almost in the urban core, like downtown core of uh, Spokane. And we walk around the block and even as far as there's like some filler rocks in a couple of the, like near a couple of the driveways. And um, one of our neighbors has a garden and Porter totally like uh, is attracted to those things. So like wildness, like we think like, I'm thinking, like, oh, John Muir Forest. Like, that's wild. <laughs> right. like, we have to go to a national know, park. Or, or the Cascades. Like, those are wild near us. Like, if we want to really teach him. But, like, they find such little pieces of uh, nature around us. And even, like, Porter will chase a squirrel for 30 minutes in the park. Like, they just latch on to the littlest things. So mm-hmm. you have to think that there were they, – they don't know. We teach them what they know. So, yeah, if we're – which we do take a lot of trips to national parks, but if that's what we're always doing, like, and it's an event, then that's what he's going to think of nature. And, but if we just treat our natural environment or going to the park or going for walks to see what we can find in our own neighborhood, he'll start to realize that nature is all around him. And that is so important for his um, sense of place, which is for us, like one of the main things we want to teach Porter that, that what you know, he's part of this bigger idea and that what he does here has an effect on everything around him. And so just staying even very close to your home in whatever setting you're in is important to teach them that this all around us is nature that we're responsible for. And this is the environment and the ecology that you're like built into. Right. Right. I love it. It's true. I could talk about this for days. Sorry. No, 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 no. I, yeah, no, I like this topic too. Um, so how to raise a wild child. That sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, do you have anything else for us? Yeah. So I have one last thing and actually it is more of a field guide. Okay. Um, so it's called nature anatomy, the curious parts and pieces of the natural world. It's by Julia Rothman. Oh, I love that. Yeah, do you know that? Oh, okay. She designed, sorry, side note, but she designed the wallpaper in Viv's room. (laughs) She's like, yeah, she's an amazing illustrator. Yeah. Uh, Yes. So this is exactly why this book is amazing, is the illustrations. So it is all hand illustrated by her. And it has really easy descriptions of pretty much everything. I mean, it goes from different... um, landforms and different areas, uh, anatomy of flowers. It has some animals. Uh, and so it kind of covers everything across North America. That's, it's not specific to any region. And so obviously it only touches on a few of each thing, but like the shapes of leaves, um, but the illustrations are what are really attractive in it, I Mm -hmm. think to kids. And so 
it's a great first field guide for them to look at, especially if you're going to do any kind of nature journaling, because I think that um, it really leads itself to letting them look at, at, it's almost done in like a nature journal style. So it allows them to look at that and see like, oh, it doesn't have to be perfect or it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be realistic, even mm-hmm. though to me, these are perfect, but <laughs> they don't need to know that. <laughs> right. Um, and so she also does another one called Farm Anatomy, which is all about farm animals and farm plants and farm life. Um, oh, so I would suggest this. Yeah. Yeah. So I would suggest this as like a first, like starting at, I don't know, two, or, we use it at two, but probably around three, they would really be able to look through it and notice what they're seeing. And um, yeah, I also suggest really hyper local field guides for any parents out there who are like looking to really teach their kids about um, the land. We don't personally know Spokane very well. So for us, we, it's been constant, like Google searching and, you know, looking up different trees and plants that we don't have on the East coast. Right. right. Um, and so having something that's really local is also great to go hand in hand with us because that'll let you more quickly. If you're really trying to in real time, um, learn with your kids, that's a great way and a tool to use. I would suggest this more as like, a, Oh, we picked some leaves and now we're going to go back and we want to look at the different shapes of them, the colors of them. Um, but yes, I love this. It's always on our shelf. <laughs> cool. Well, I will link to all of those books, um, in, in our show notes. And then just Beth, one question for you. Um, you know, Drew and I are both in Buffalo. You're out, um, on the West coast ish, <laughs> although you're a little <laughs> inland, but you know, it's going yep. to get cold where you are too. And we're heading into it, yep. but I wanted to talk about this cause I just, you know, I, you, one of my challenges as a parent or, or one of my challenge, yeah, one of my challenges to myself is to make sure that I don't just like stay hidden inside and that I actually take my kids out in all four seasons. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that as somebody that is interested in this topic? Like, how, how do you do that with Porter? So I'll start with the most important part of this is that you and your children get very good winter gear. Mm. Um, so forget about cute, like take that out of your mindset, but you want uh, snow pants and jackets and zipper um, gloves that are easy to put on and off mm. that are good quality because if you or your child is cold, you're never going to stay outside and it's going to seem like a chore. So that's really the start of it. Right. Um, Makes and sense. then for, for us, it's totally just, we in the like last winter did not take Porter to playgrounds really because those like worried about them getting icy But if you can just find somewhere where they can explore and they can be out and walk around and just play in the snow, kids don't get cold, (laughs) really. Like, I've never heard a, like, toddler say, I want to go in, you know, if Mm -hmm. they have the right stuff. So really, it's that you need to be motivated to do it. And if you make it a little event, like, so you go outside for a little while, then you get to come in and you get to have hot cocoa or you get to have some herbal tea, like that will make it so much more fun for them. Um, and one of the other things, if you're going to go out in the winter and you want to stay out for a long time and you're not just going to do your yard is try to find somewhere that has diverse landscape. So, you know, some frozen water or, um, you know, some Hills that they can not even bring a sled to, but just your kid, like 
your kids will know to roll down a hill. That's just fun for them. Right. Uh, so if you can find somewhere that has like a, a lot of little different nooks and crannies, and that's like a good rule of thumb just uh, in general is mm-hmm. a lot of different land diversity, then your kids are going to stay way more engaged and they're going to um, want to stay outside for longer. Yeah. I know a lot of times I'm the one that like holds uh, Porter back where I'm like, okay, we've been outside for 20 minutes. Let's go. Yeah, and so my, cold. <laughs> yeah. So my goal this year is I, this is so funny coming from Buffalo, but I don't really have any good outside gear because I'm not a skier. I'm not, you know, I don't do a lot of outdoorsy stuff in the winter, honestly, myself. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I don't have good winter gear. So that was my goal this year is to buy myself good stuff. So then I'm more apt to stay outside with him. And the other thing I, you know, if you hear that about gear, just, and and you're intimidated by like the price of it, we have got some of our best kids winter gear from thrift stores and consignment shops. Like Cece right now, it's already kind of cold here and she's been wearing this little snowsuit. I got it at the Salvation Army. Like they're, you know. We we do a lot of Goodwill and I got my husband uh, like a, esoteric or like that very expensive brand I got him a mm-hmm. coat for like seven dollars like nice. it was like nothing <laughs> yeah so really just a search for it and honestly I did some research there's a very famous um forest kindergarten called Cedar Song that's on the west side of Washington so mm-hmm. Seattle area and um I read her book and it she really recommends like Columbia there's like certain Columbia jackets that she swears by and that's what she has her kids get. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be the most expensive stuff. It just, you know, really do some research on the internet. And the other thing that she uh, talks about in her book is our propensity to like, oh, they need to have really thick boots and then they have to have on wool socks. But, uh, really they should be wearing thin socks because they your body needs room to circulate heat. So a lot of times that we bundle our kids too tightly, right. Um, rather than giving their bodies that room to build its own heat, which I, I didn't know I would totally do that. Like, yeah. well, we have to have wool socks and then long underwear. And then, you know, so that was an interesting point to me too, is that, uh, you know, you have to make sure that you're putting them in the, just the right layers even. Right. No, that makes that makes sense to me. I could see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot so. of kids. All right, I think that's a good tip. Um, All right, I'm really I. You have like inspired me to get out with the <laughs> girls. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely gonna. I'm especially gonna check out um, how to raise a wild child. So yeah, it's great. All right, Beth. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy, um, enjoy the next month or so. Actually, this is going to air on November, so or on November first. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, enjoy November. All right. Thank you. And we'll talk to you <laughs> soon before the holidays. Perfect. Bye. Bye. Okay. Thanks again, Beth. Um, I really like talking with you about all of that. And Drew, I have to ask you, what is your family's relationship to the outdoors? Positive. <laughs> we are we are in favor of the outdoors. <laughs> Pro outdoors. Yes. Um, but do you make like? Is it something you make time for? And yeah, do your kids actually, like it. This summer is the I think the first summer that my wife didn't take a special like camping trip with hmm. the kids. Um, but like that's been an every summer so far kind of thing. So that happens. Um, 
and we do like to do hikes with the girls. Excuse me. Um, and that's that's a good thing. I the the girls like they sometimes lose enthusiasm for the outdoors. Yeah. I think I talked on the podcast once you about did. yeah, yeah when we went to the nature now. preserve and there was a bug that got in a shoe and it was just screaming. Yeah. It was not serenity. Do you have peace. a backyard that they go out in a lot? Yeah, yeah. So the kids are very like outdoorsy, like in kind of like a free rangey way. Like yeah. Greenwood Place. Lots oh, that's of kids. Right. Like know, we don't even straight. have to go with them. They just go play. Right. So they do like to play. We we do have the backyard, but really they're like sidewalk front yard kids. They mm-hmm. don't they don't do the backyard nearly as much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say positively inclined towards the outdoors. Um, I'm good for like a night of camping, maybe two nights. But I'm I used to be a hardcore that that those days have passed. Oh, you did? You were? Is that I, something you grew up in? Like your childhood was? No, but in college I spent a summer in Yellowstone, and yeah, that was Sweet. a really good time. So I like it. It's yeah. just you know, after a while you get cold and tired, and it's nice to have a shower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and the girls are kind of the same way. Janelle is definitely like the most outdoorsy within our family. So she would probably say that we don't we don't get out like outside to like do stuff and right. see things and things like that as much as we ought to. Yeah. But the girls play outside like just about every day. Oh, good. Cuz you can only eat so much and you only get an hour of TV and then there's daylight left, so you play outside. That's true. And we're about to get more daylight. I am so ready for that. Yeah, me too. What about your kids and your family? Um, yeah, we have a positive relationship with it <laughs> as well. <laughs> now, I think I've talked about it before that I kind of organized this group of um, parents, local parents. It's called Go Outside Moms and Dads. Yeah. Um, I, unfortunately, it's the, I have not. I'm not organ. I used to organize maybe about once a week an outing. Mm-hmm. I'm, at this point, I'm about once a month, um, just because life has gotten a little bit more hectic. Um, but other people in the group organize walks. Anyway, that's been really fun to, um, to, to go out and meet new people. And honestly, it just, when I know that I've made a commitment to other people to go outside and then you go stick with on it. a nature walk, I stick with it and I never regret it like ever. That's awesome. So yeah, no, it's a good thing. Yeah. All right. So let's do our person place your thing before we wrap up. What do you have for us? So I maybe this is a weird kind of thing. I, I've already looked ahead at what your thing or person, depending on who you define it is. Like okay. yours is definitely better. But as it's not a competition. I don't know about that. If it is, you're winning. Anyway, it's getting cold. So my thing is glittens. I think glittens are the best. Yeah, um, you know what it is from the word, right? Love plus mitten. Yes. Okay. This fits with my discussion with Beth about outdoor outdoor gear. So yeah, it's because well it's done. the it's the best of both worlds. I yeah. I hope she gave the endorsement. She did not, but oh, she, I, maybe she doesn't know what the glitten is. Because we'll have to ask her. Mittens are warmer, but you don't have the dexterity. Yeah. So how the hell does this work? Oh, so you haven't put it together all the way. So uh, I'll try to describe it since this is audio. But you you put it on like a glove where there's finger holes, uh-huh. right? Folds over. It, well, yeah, yeah. So your bare fingers come out the top part of the glove, uh-huh. and then there's a mitten part that 
scoop so you get the warmth of the mitten and then you pop your mitten back and you can use your bare fingers on your touch screen or to cool off or whatever and then when you need to mitten up you mitten up i love it glintons it's a good one any particular brand of glintons uh the wool (laughs) the wool brand so so my recommendation is i'm gonna call it a thing um it is the code switch podcast tell us about the code switch podcast while you're picking up food for your baby <laughs> so if any of you are like you know npr listeners at they all, talk about that <laughs> podcast probably, all the time well before it was a podcast it was like just a special news reporting team yes. So for the past several years they've had the code switch team and um then they se- they came out with a separate um podcast and basically, it's it's just the podcast is talking about race and how it intersects everything from pop culture to politics um, to art to people's personal lives. And it's just super well done. There um, you go. Ruining our well podcast done. with political opinions <laughs> again. I, I just want to talk about Mittens, Whitney. Can't we just talk about... I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> it is a good podcast. It is really good. And it's one of those where I think you could just jump in you know, and their most recent episode, but it's also really worth going back. Um, their very first episode, um, they talk about whiteness, which, and they kind of make a joke, like, of course, our first podcast, you know, we have to, it's like a podcast to talk about like issues affecting people of color and we've got to talk about whiteness, but they really felt like they did. And it was, it was really well done. And, um, they've also done some great episodes on gentrification and, um the oj documentary from espn (laughs) so it you know it's all over they they kind of go all over the map um really good so that's it for this episode of just a phase and we are so excited to be back in your ears don't forget that you can subscribe review and rate our podcast on itunes stitcher and whatever you use to listen to podcasts my two-year-old just ran by me with a towel from the kitchen which means I think she might have spilled something in the Oh, but we had, we had to complete the story. But you can find us on... No, no, no. This has to be in the podcast. We were getting ready. Like, she ran with the towel now. But while we were getting ready for the podcast, Whitney asked her daughter, did you spill your drink? And she replied, not yet. <laughs> she warned me. It's fair. <laughs> That's on you. That's a good place for the spill to be. Great. Okay. Well, you can find us on Facebook at Just a Phase Podcast, on Instagram under the same name, and on our website at justafazepodcast.tumblr.com. Just a Phase Podcast is produced by Whitney Crispell, and our theme music is Urbana Metronica, the Woo Yeah Mix by Spinning Mercala. It is used under a Creative Commons license. Really quick, what are your kids being for Halloween? Oh, um, Draculaura and another thing that has a wig and, um... Something else. Also, maybe... Oh, no, and the Hunger Games Katniss. All right. I've got Elmo and a lamb. What about you? Are you going to be a thing? A witch. I'm going to be the dude. Okay. Bye.